it's Alicia here and today's podcast I'm chatting to James Hawes and James is a psychotherapist, he's also a school counsellor and we're going to be talking about developing emotional fitness in boys. So welcome James, thank you so much for joining me. Brilliant, thank you for having me. So James, let's kick off with where are we in terms of boys' mental health? Um, ah, that's a good question, isn't it? So um, I've been working with boys for probably about 30, 35 years now, um, and certainly as a counsellor for the last kind of 15 years in, in schools. Um, and I mean, you, you could say it's, it's very difficult, actually, to um, get any kind of stats specifically around boys. Um, you get it for young people. And of course, you know, boys are part of young people. But um so I pro- probably it's problematic, I think, in our society at the moment in terms of mental health or emotional well-being. Um, I've, I was just looking before we came up here, looking at the NHS um, stats and they've got some. I'm just going to read some of these in um, apparently 18 percent of children aged 7 to 16 years and 22 percent of young people aged 17 to 24 years had a probable mental health disorder. So, I mean, it's it's a fair portion of young people who are struggling. And I don't know if we're clear yet, although I in terms of what happened during COVID and I know that in terms of some of the clients that I work with, um, young people that I mean, for some, it appears not to have impacted them at all, but others are really, they've really struggled kind of to get back out of that kind of COVID haze. Um, so I, I think there's, in terms of what's going on in society, in terms of anxiety, um, in terms of um, disorders, I mean, classically eating disorders, um, depression, I think I'm seeing, uh, and this is partly the reason, um, this is a good reason, more boys, I think, are coming to uh, uh, to a counsellor to look after their mental health. Um, so I'm seeing more of that. And obviously, um, therefore, I think that's, that's a positive thing. Um, I think there's, um, there is less stigma um, for uh, boys to uh, ask for help. And yet, there is still a stigma, and I hear that almost every day when I'm in school. Um, and this, I think, is is it's not just for boys. Um, certainly, girls struggle with that as well. So, um, I I'm that's been some of my work over the last fifteen years: how to kind of reduce kind of the stigma um, in terms of um, boys coming for, for help. Another organisation which I connect with um, is AYPH, which is kind of youth health health data. And they say um, among boys, the likelihood of a disorder is highest at the age of 11 to 16. And amongst girls, it's 17 to 19. So, I mean, I suppose what I'm saying, where are we? Um, I think there's clearly um, issues and struggles going on in terms of young people's mental health, in terms of specifically boys. I think it's emerging. We're, we're learning more about that. Where because it, there are more boys and obviously men are accessing um, mental health ser- or counselling services. Thank you for that. So we are saying that actually culture is changing, which is great. In that more are able to self-refer in in some talk. 
Um, but do you think, I suppose, firstly, do you think there's a difference in the type of mental health issues that boys are suffering compared to girls? Because we know that the number of eating disorders has gone up hugely in the last couple of years. And of course, you know, there's a fair proportion, I think it's about 25% of those are amongst boys. Um, what we hear with girls is it's the anxiety disorders. But what, what are you seeing? Well, I mean, typically, I think um, boys um, push out their um, or emote their um, emotional distress, if you like, um, through anger um, and through different forms of anger. So um, it may seep out or it may explode out. And that's kind of the first kind of warning. Hold on. There's something wrong here. I'm not sure what it is, but kind of anger is the only way I've got to express that. So I think absolutely they may get to me through anger i think the sense of low mood depression um uh, on that i'm definitely see a lot more boys in that in that area and i think it, again i we we've often looked at figures over the years in terms of you know male and female and it, it, you know you look on any chart it's like well more fi more females are um on um antidepressant medication um, more females are diagnosed with depression and that I think is just basically because more women go to get seek help. Um, so I think it's quite equal. Um, but that's kind of the and I think the, the the issues that I see, I do see some eating disorders in boys, but not not I would definitely wouldn't say as much as as many as I see in girls. Perhaps slightly different eating disorders. Do you find that um, some of them are around more around kind of their bulking up the, the proteins, the steroids, that sort of, and as much as you know, it, it's less perhaps more anorexia in girls and more of the other in boys. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. In terms of the, the whole gym culture, has is massive, isn't it? And um, the the bulking and the shredding and you know the protein all of that kind of stuff in terms of I think what we have seen certainly I've seen in the last 10 years is that classically it was always body image was always kind of female thing you know they're, they're, now boys are definitely having to look good have the six pack and there's a lot more pressure and I mean and we can see that in in schools you know many schools have gyms now um so it's kind of all there and, and of course I, I think I've got a, a son who's, who's quite into it as well um and there's always there is definitely a healthy side to this they think they're learning about food stuff they're learning about that there's discipline um learning about different parts of their body there's loads of stuff here and it's like in anything isn't it if we just go over the top in terms of we stop we're not expressing as it were our emotions we're not learning about our body i often say boys and men kind of beat their bodies work their bodies build their bodies shred their bodies but few of them listen to their bodies um and i think that's the the stuff can we just start to listen to what's going on in my body and that you know I, I suppose another little mantra of mine is the body and the emotional one so you know we you know that we have to kind of connect with the body and, and be with it I think that's a really interesting point because I've been in a lot of schools in the last couple of weeks talking about um 
you know, coping with exam stress and anxiety because, you know, it's we're heading into that time of year again when the, the summer exam season starts. And um, and I'll always say to them, so when you're thinking about exams or, and you know, what are the thoughts that you're having and they can identify that, that's really easy. But if you then say, well, what sensations do you get? Nine times out of ten, they'll come back with a feeling or an emotion rather than a sensation. And I think you know, we need to do some work in terms of uh, with parents and schools about that integration and recognizing that your body gives you huge clues as to how emotion your emotional state. So perhaps some of the education is around actually being able to really name what is going on inside of me. Yes, and I think that we have to give that some attention, don't we? Um, in terms of you know, giving our attention some attention. Let's 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 listen to it. Let's be aware of it. But yes, absolutely. I I a lot of the work that I do certainly in groups with um, boys and men, they would be more physical. And I think you know, if, uh, uh, it, uh, often boys don't have a language um, for feelings. So you work with the body and they can, as you say, they can possibly name a sensation, but that may lead to a to a kind of feeling. So on that basis, do you think that the way we develop emotional resilience in boys needs to be different to how we might approach it in girls? Um. I suppose yes and no. I think the I think one of the first things we need to, and this is a lot of my work in terms of workshops that I do, is if understanding the kind of socialization um of uh boys. Um so and that could include, and I often talk about the kind of trauma of emotional restriction, which I think is the way come through socialization. So classically those those kind of terms that they hear, you know, big boys don't cry, you've got to be tough, you've got to be strong. All these messages kind of move us away from that kind of a whole range of emotional expression. So I think understanding where boys are coming from in general, typically, not all, of course, and girls. Um, so that for me, that's really important. So um, to kind of understand what socialization has done to them, what they've learned about um, emotions, where they've learned them from, have they learned anything? Um, so I think I, I often work with boys um, in terms of, I think, developing, needing to develop a language for emotions. Um, so it might just be, you know, I use this concept of kind of an emotional gym. So, you know, if you, contrasting that with um, and comparing that with the physical fitness, what we might know as we go back to the kind of bodybuilding thing, um, boys may know what it means to be physically fit. A lot of them are active in some kind of sport or activity, but few of us have kind of um, learned what it means to be emotionally fit um, and how to exercise or build emotional muscles. How do we exercise our and move our emotions? So I, I try and definitely use a language like that that kind of fits within their kind of kind of culture, really. Um, the other thing I think that um, society has definitely um, taught boys is um, of course, girls and women are quite capable of this as well, but of self-reliance. And, and that basically means I don't need any help. I don't need to go outside. I'll find it all inside. And I think they learn that perhaps from um, fathers or um, um, male mentors um, from other sources. Well, actually, it's too scary 
to go out to express some of this stuff. So I've just got to learn about doing it within. So working with and, and understanding self-reliance, I think, is really important. The other thing I'd just say is that um, classically people will say, well, you know, in terms of boys, we want to um, get shoulder to shoulder or side by side. And, you know, if you want to have a chat with your son, you know, go in the car and um, where you're not looking at them. So kind of indirect contact. And I absolutely think that's correct. That's right. However, I would always also say that boys are quite capable of direct contact, i.e. kind of sitting facing in, you know, I'm, I'm a counsellor, school counsellor, sitting in a, in a room with boys. They're quite capable of um, being in that space. And I also think it's quite challenging and ultimately that is what um therapy in my world, world is the kind of we're stretching which kind of stretching our self-awareness stretching our ability to express a, a, a broad spectrum of emotion so, uh, about socialization um what would be your top tips for parents of boys about developing emotional fitness Okay, the top tip um, is listen. And I mean, listening is, I mean, I think it, it takes time to do that, because I think the idea of listening to what we, you know, with our eyes, what we're seeing, um, listening with our ears, um, and and actually when we listen, we're not just asking a question and they may not answer, or there might be a nod or a grunt, or we might just be ignored. But what are we picking up? So really developing the ability to listen. And, and I suppose connected to that is this kind of active empathy. So we're ultimately wanting to show um, boys um, that they matter to us, that I'm really interested in you. Um, they may not want to talk or share, but that empathy is about, look, I want to stay in your world for a little bit. I'm, I'm going to give you some time because I think my, all, boys and all of us, we, we long for attention. And, and I think another part of that kind of empathic way of being is, is kind of to reflect back what we see. So if they're not kind of in, in tune with what is going on for them, perhaps we can just reflect a bit, a bit about what, that, what we may see, a feeling we might see. Um, um, they may not like that or they may no, stop stop trying especially for me with my children stop trying to therapize me or something like that but i think there's something about uh, you know uh, in allowing them and helping them to kind of reflect on their own well-being um the 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 third thing is to give them language um now you know this is kind of what a lot of my work is in terms of emotional fitness with boys and men but you know the idea i mean a lot of people will have seen that that feeling wheel. I think that's a really useful thing, you know, with 140 words, because I, I often say, look, it's um, we feelings are often like foreign language. So we need to have more vocab so we can. Yes, the wheel, but we can use language, feeling language, which they will be able to. Work. So it's basically about modeling and demonstrating um, and creating spaces especially I think for younger um, boys and families to kind of have a have somewhere have an emotional check-in um, kind of when at the end of the day can we have a check-in with on a feeling grid um, some basic feelings where we think okay 
how have we been? When's the when today? When did you feel angry? Or today? When did you feel sad? When did when did you feel happy? When did you feel anxious? So we're training, kind of helping them to get this as just normal kind of stuff. Um, lastly, I'd say um, trust them. You know, get off their backs a bit. I think um, we are we are really concerned about um, boys and young people, and if there are children, of course we should be. I think there's something about trusting them and trusting that they are able to look after themselves. They do know what they need and we need to be able to give them space to be able to, to uh, allow them to develop that. I'm sure you will be familiar with the work of Dr. Daniel Siegel and he talks about that idea of name it, sustain it. And actually what you're saying, if, if we've got a good emotional vocabulary, so we, and we've, we, we're trained to be able to pick up the sensations that are attached to different emotions and then put names to those emotions, you're kind of halfway there in terms of yeah. managing them, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. I, I often say, look, if you can name a feeling, label it, um, it's, it kind of it enables it to disperse. You know, feeling, I don't think a feeling wants to hang around most of them. They just want to know, hold on, can you feel me? Um, and then once I'm felt, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, that's it. The problem with a lot of us as boys and men especially is that, you know, I think many of us are terrified of feelings. So there's a sense of um, going towards these um, um, vulnerable feelings. They're scary. So we just, that's easier to stay in anger, isn't it? Let's just tough it out, you know, that kind of stuff. So in terms of, um, I was talking to a school the other day, and I kind of liked where they were coming from, because if we're thinking about what schools can do to develop emotional fitness in boys, they, um, they were talking about a mental wealth and investing in yourself. And I guess that's another idea alongside your physical health, um, building your physical strength actually maybe mental wealth is something that boys might get on board with as an idea it's i think language is is quite important isn't it so i like that mental wealth i mean you know, the idea that um we have to we have to earn we have to look, look into this we have to invest um so i think that's that's really useful i mean i, I think it you know i've been over many years looking for language that's kind of why I kind of come up with this kind of emotional fitness or emotional gym that, you know, so, and I think schools, you know, having a gym, a place of, of you know, so I, what I mean by that is that we um, create a place where we can physically move our bodies and, and also we are aware of moving our emotions at the same time, because often different parts of our body may hold different emotions so this is some of the stuff that I would do, and I think it'd be re it's really important for schools to have that kind of whole culture of actually we're going to go towards emotions. We're going to see this as a really important part of education. As I would say, um, a kind of uh, empathic school culture. How do we develop a a whole school that is is dedicated to to empathy? And I, I think it's really important when we uh, um, in terms of working with um, bullying. Um, and being able to be in the other person's shoes. So I think for me, that's quite important. The other thing I think that we need to do a lot more in schools is how we 
talk about um, uh, masculinity, um, how we kind of deal with, um, address the kind of construct of masculinity, challenge the male code, the, the, the rules that many boys and men have learned about emotions and about being a man. Um, so I think doing more work on that, I think, would be quite important. The other thing, I don't know if you saw it, um, it's a, a recent film, um, and I thought that would be a great film to show young, young people, um, boys and girls in school. And it's called it's called Close. Um, it's a Belgian film. Um, got one already won loads of uh, awards, but it's based on two 12 year old boys who had a fantastic, lovely relationship. Um, then they went to secondary school. Um, and then there's it, it, it's just so beautiful and tender uh, movie. But there's also a lot of sadness and loss in in terms of what happened within their relationship. So right at the beginning, you were quoting those stats about boys being particularly vulnerable between 11 and 16. And that is generally at one of either 11 or 13. That is when you transition into the senior school system, isn't it? And do you think that there is more that we as parents and educators could be doing support them through that that point of transition i think um i mean you're right transitions you know what at different ages i mean classically the kind of puberty age or then moving from moving from uh, the child into the you know to the adult that kind of space um i mean you'll know i mean and there are there are projects like this that you know in the old tribal times, there were things called rites of passage, um, where for for boys, for boys and girls, um, and a lot of them were quite brutal. But I, I, I'm a real. I think this is something that will really help um, boys. I think to um, a, you know, kind of have a a season of of, of thinking about their. Um, sexuality their relation their, their ability, understanding of relationship communication skills understanding of their masculinity and there are these um uh, rites of passage um, modern rites of passage going on in different countries in schools where they take them on a, a journey for about a year um so it's and i think that's fantastic because that just gives a, a safe place and some real education around um emotional um wealth as it were this is a bit off piece, but when you were talking about relationships and sexuality and, you know, obviously finding your identity in a world where any kind of sexuality, any kind of gender is is to be embraced and accepted, but it must make that com more complicated. And then the other thing to kind of mention is, you know, educating yourself around all of those issues like relationships, watching pornography. Well, yes, you're, I mean, there's so much more exposure, isn't there? And um, in terms of, and, and it's something to be um, celebrated about that, the sense of moving away from a kind of um, strict code or gender code, because I think even when we talk about, you know, femininity and masculinity, um, though, there's the idea, well, is that this is a woman or this is a man? There's a, there's so much more kind of grey and connection there. Um but yes, absolutely. In terms of the pornification of society, um, the amount of pornography that young people kind of consume and how disciplined they have to be to kind of 
turn these things off and or the expectation from kind of relational kind of uh connection connecting apps um you know send nudes and this sort of stuff i think there this is a i mean again it's, it's something that you know when i was a boy you know we just had um you know the top shelf magazines that was it you know you didn't get to see this stuff so the the i that this stuff is so readily available and i think it's really really difficult for young people to to kind of you know how do i how do i work out um through all this mass of material um what in terms of sexuality or gender or sex um what to do with this so and i i, I certainly i'm not sitting here with any major answers but um but what i have seen and heard from young people is that they are able to navigate this stuff um um you know and i've heard many young people males and females you they just delete 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 and they're just they they're not even interested so they're kind of wised up to this this is not what they're really interested in yeah well that's really nice of me to hear mm. and i suppose the message is you know that that kind of education piece from parents and, and staff is really really important and perhaps for almost more for the younger ones because I think they're accessing it younger and younger and you know it, it's it's so damaging in terms of performance and comparison and you know expectations so I don't know if you've got any any advice for parents particularly perhaps around talking about all of those things with young young boys and young men well, I, I think to be as open as we can uh, and to talk, because I think even around the area of sex and um, um, we, often a lot of uh, adults, we kind of get a bit shy about that. You know, we don't want to talk about it or we certainly wouldn't want to um, watch certain programs where they've got sex in with young people. But I think if it's, a, it's sometimes about us. Can we be more open and talk about that? Um, and explore even pornography because it's it's something that we're not it's not going to go away now having said that a lot of young people of course would be deeply embarrassed um <laughs> to, to, to um for their parents to talk to them about those sorts of, so it's something about balance that we're we bring it into the room we just kind of say you know might not even be addressing them in particular but it might come up on a conversation um in in our homes while we're eating or something like that the sense of what we're what we're understanding from that and the pressures that are going on so i think being open about all of these things is really important and i probably have two things for that which would be that there's lots and lots of kind of conversation starters out there that that you can bring in which perhaps removing it one away from them so oh I read this story today or I heard this today or I heard that stuff today makes it a less challenging conversation for them um, yes we've even started isn't it and the other thing I probably would say is that one conversation is not enough no, it's just it's, it's making that that space available, isn't it? That that um we are open. I think we're open to talk or uh, talk about anything. There's nothing is off limits, as it were. Yeah. 
So that's just finished, James. A couple of strategies that you perhaps have, because if you've worked with boys for that long, you must have a few cooking strategies on how to get them to, to open up and chat. And, and I guess first and foremost, I mean, you know, obviously it's about the quality of the connection before you've even begun as a parent. Mm. But any top tips on that score? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, you're right in terms of building a rapport, making it a safe place, um, let, letting them know that you are available you're not going to be shocked um, by what they say um, I think that's I often hear that with young people they may not be able to talk to their parents about certain things but then you know they'll they'll know that from what I'm doing that they can talk about anything I think I've already mentioned this but I think a really important thing that is silence dare we be with um, boys in silence because I, I think my experience is um, in my own life, but also in my work with working with boys and with men, is that that sometimes they need a bit longer just to drop down into the kind of their gut, into their feeling world. And I mean, some some of us, you know, just like want to talk, talk, talk. But when there's a silence, maybe we can just stay with the silence. Um, I do that many times with young people. Um, in counselling and you know it might be a minute it might be two minutes I might then respond by I'm just wondering what you're thinking um just wondering what what's going on where where you've gone or something like that um and then they've suddenly dropped somewhere else and they're coming out with some of these kind of profound things so I think not to be afraid of silence so the idea of do less talking and more listening I think is really important um, um, yeah, so I think for me, that's a, it seems like a weird strategy, but for me, that's one of the most important ones. Amazing. James, thank you so much for sharing so much with us on this podcast. Uh, really interesting. And um, I think that, you know, perhaps we, I can see on the, on the shelf behind you, The Secret Lives of Men is a book. Are there any other books that you would really recommend for um, or you have put me on a spot a bit, um, Alicia, but I, I'm sitting, my bookshelf is just above here, actually. <laughs> and uh, I, I would say one of the best books, I, and this is, is not just on um, anger, but it is around anger, um, is, is called Beyond Anger. Um, no, that's not the one. Um, where is it? I'm missing it now. Oh, Working with Anger and Young People. By Nick Luxmore. Now, Nick, unfortunately, I think he died a couple of years ago, but he's written many books around young people. Nick, Nick Luxmore. I think um, his work is amazing. So, if you can get any book by Nick Luxmore, brilliant. But um, working with young anger and young people, absolutely a top book. Uh, James, thank you so much, and um, hopefully, we will be doing more with you in the not too distant future.